Hi, Shazina Spinwa here with Designing Conversations. Welcome to our first episode on this, in the series of inclusion in the creative and cultural industries. Today, I've invited Alexandra Pisco from Pisco & Company. Alexandra works in the fashion industry and we met probably a few years ago when Alex and I both participated in a Pichacha night or Pechacucha night and Alex made an incredible impression on me with her fabulous presentation on cultural heritage and fashion and so today I wanted to invite her along to have a chat a little bit about inclusion and also what Alex does. So thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoy the session. Yeah, thanks for joining. Oh, my pleasure. As we've spoken before, Alex, you know that I've been wanting to start this new series um, of podcasts Mm -hmm. around some of the discussions that I've been having with many friends, colleagues, and obviously including yourself. So um, I'd just like to introduce you to the audience so Alexandra Pisco is from Pisco and Company and a fashion consultant and based here in Brussels like myself. And Alex, we got to know each other. It was oh goodness, how many years ago was it now? Oh, uh when was that? Was that like three years ago? It was about three, four years, yeah, ago. three four years ago. And it was at the Pecha, well we say Pachacha, if the formal name is Pachacha, isn't it? But it's like spe- pronounced as Pecha Kucha, if you're yeah. reading it out. And um, I think I was chatting probably about the same topic that I'm still going on about now, and it was possibly sort of inclusivity and and some of the, the initiatives around that with a sort of inclusive education programme. Um, and you made a big impression, as I've said to you before, <laughs> with your amazing presentation that was around kind of culture, fashion, Um, and everything related to that so we'll probably chat a little bit about that Mm -hmm. Um, and also um, the main reason for this conversation is also um, again something that you and I have discussed of this whole inclusion diversity exclusion in the sense of in the, the sort of cultural and creative industries um, but I would like to start with you introducing a little bit about yourself, Alex. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about you. <laughs> um, well, like I, you know, when I did the the presentation where we where we met, um, I'm a bit of a mix of, you know, be it, um, you know, culturally in the family sense, but also culturally in where I grew up because I grew up in a, a variety of places. You know, I was born in Switzerland, but um, raised in Belgium and the Philippines and uh, time in the U.S. And uh, my parents are, you know, were, um, my father was American and my mother was Spanish, but born and raised in the Philippines. So it's, you know, a bit of a, and we spent a lot of time with a family that was Middle Eastern. So, you know, and, and this idea of what is your cultural identity? What is your, your heritage? You know, yep. and um, and ha- being multicultural or what I uh, came up with a, <laughs> a name when I was about 
14 or 15 talking to my sister. And, you know, once again, it had been the, I'd gotten the question of where are you from? And it also always, you know, and then telling my sister, I was fed up. It takes a paragraph, you know, to, uh, to explain. And so, uh, and, uh, being a a big Star Trek fan, I, I told my sister, I announced that from now on, I would just answer the question saying I'm an earthling. (laughs) <laughs> because that's really in a way if I have to like if someone would ask like what, what, what if you have a sense of allegiance for me it's more of a planetary you know it's like I feel like a member of you know the earth but I don't have a specific you know I there's a lot of places I care about and feel part of you know and so that which um in the the, the talk you know I kind of led me to have uh for other people to ask themselves you know because sometimes uh we very you know because someone might be of a certain race or their parents were from this specific country yeah we on the outside assume that's their heritage and even the person themselves will limit themselves because the rest of society is saying oh well because you're this race or you're from this country your parents were for example from this country that's who yeah. you are. And, the, yeah. and that's your heritage. And in design that, you know, if you're going to, um, you know, go into your heritage for inspiration, it becomes a very narrow definition of what this, you know, source of inspiration can be. Yeah. Especially when you're well traveled mm-hmm. or you've lived in many countries or as you mentioned that there's a mix of different um you know heritage mm-hmm. behind you of the origin i mean it's a bit like that with myself also it's a mix of the scottish being born in scotland but having parents from asia but then living here in belgium so so it's a complete mix completely understand that and that question just to go back of where are you from mm-hmm. where are you really from you know the amount of times gosh if I had a, a euro uh, for every time I've been asked <laughs> that I think I'd be a rich woman because because you're right I mean the, this you know people want to put you in yes. a box they want to kind of identify you with that place that origin that background and it's like ah okay so ah you're really Pakistani or oh you're really Indian yeah. or you know whereas actually it's um yeah it's it's never accepting the kind of mix yes it's it's funny and like because when I speak English I sound quite American you know I will be having this conversation with you know an an English speaker and they will keep coming back to like yeah yeah yeah. I mean you might feel that that but you're American and I have to even tell them listen I may sound American but actually I wasn't born there and it's because I did my I live my adult, you know, parts of my adult life with studies and living there that this stuck. But it's funny how people want to put you in that box and then they find one thing that they find is more prevalent in you. And so, you know, obviously the voice, the accent, and they go, well, no, you must be much more that because you have that accent. Yeah. And have you come across a lot of that in the work? And in, in, I mean, tell us a little bit about what you do and... and... Um, how you feel that's connected in some way to that? I, I think um, as I've gotten older, it is something that is looked upon more as uh, an added value about me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it is on the one hand, as you're older, uh, you have a certain, you know, you have a more of a professional credibility. So people will see things that are different about you as advantages 
Whereas I yeah. remember when I was younger, um, since you don't have, you're not bringing that baggage of a professional career behind you or something. And maybe from you know, a young woman as opposed to a young man, you're already dealing with a credibility issue is people would see that as a, not a certain disadvantage, unless I was being interviewed for a job or something yep. by someone who was a fellow earthling, then they get it. Mm-hmm. But if you have yep. someone who has grown up in the same place, has, you know, much more, a more, I guess, homogenous background, um, they would look at it as, as, you know, ooh, she's going to be, you know, this person can't possibly know who she is. So, you know, they, they'd be, un, I guess, unstable, that it wasn't, you know, it didn't, it didn't make them feel secure or think that they had added value. Now, it's possible yeah. also is I think people have, you know, the, I started working before the time of, you know, just when the time of the internet was starting. So I think that even people nowadays, if you're, you know, someone who maybe has, you know, has a more, in a sense, homogenous background, you know, didn't move around, they have a more global view. And I think understand how a multicultural, they're more multicultural anyway, already. Yeah. You know, so I think that also has been that now it's seen more as uh, an added value. I was given the, (laughs) a term in French, which, uh, was a, quite a compliment is uh, they said to me, but this was, you know, about 10 years ago, that I was a mouton à cinq pattes, which means a sheep, a five-legged sheep. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a compliment. In, in French culture, it's a compliment. is you know, you're that rare added value yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and do you think this is also, you know, the confidence that you've had now, it's just, as you say, mentioning the sort of experience you've had, but it's also just being comfortable in your own skin Mm -hmm. and being comfortable with who you are now, as opposed to say maybe 20 years ago or when you were starting out in the industry. Um, Whereas now it's like, this is the added skill that you've, um, you have, and it's a real value. Yes, I think how you contribute exactly. that, contribute that to your yeah, work. It's realizing yeah. yourself that it's uh, an added value, you know. Because of course, if you're getting reactions from people going, mm, "That's a little weird," or "That's not quite right," you're thinking yourself, "I'm, you know, I'm a little, yeah. I'm not in the norm, and that's not a good thing." And it's only, yeah. you, you know, definitely as I got older, I realized that it's, you know, it's a great gift that my parents gave me. Yeah. And, and ha- has it been perceived as a good gift as well when you're like in the professional situation, when you talk openly about these different, you know, about your different backgrounds and experiences? Um, you know, when, when we talk about this sort of the greater topic um, of sort of the inclusion, the mm-hmm. diversity, I mean, do you feel that people around you are just as open and, and as comfortable as you are? Um, you know what? I It really depends on the person listening and what their background is and what their mindset on it, which is also something, um, you know, I realized as I got old, it's, 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 you know, how people receive that depends a lot on how they are with things that they can't quite, you know, if it's someone who's very rigid and has to be able to categorize someone within, you know, the first 15 minutes that they meet them, um, they yeah. will, you know, there've been people who, <laughs> you know, thought I was a bit 
um, I guess, vapid, you know, because they're like, oh, she's all over the place. When I'm, yeah. And it was just because I was answering the question. And it was my, que- my yeah. answer that was all over the place, but not, you know, I wasn't like behaving particularly in a ditzy manner or anything, you know. And so yeah. I think it's, it, it reveals a lot about the person you're speaking to. That's what I've realized. Yeah. It, it yeah. tells me a lot I- about the person is how they react to, you know, my mm. explanation of, you know, sort of who I am. And sometimes, sadly, we can't always choose who we work with. You know, whereas another thing that I've found is certainly with sort of gaining more experience, getting older, you kind of tend to gravitate towards the people that are, of course, of that mindset, yes. open-minded and, and culturally aware. Yeah. And especially, you know, as you get older and then perhaps you can pick and choose your clients a bit more, you know, you yeah. tend to. But I mean, I do, you know, I adopted the sort of the way I would handle it, certainly when I was younger and that I was, and that I would feel that there was a certain, either just a a malaise, a discomfort for the person that they're looking at this bizarre thing, you know, to them, it's like this weird person that they've never met anyone with that kind of is um, I got very good at making people feel comfortable. Yeah. That's a lot to do with who you are and the sort of personality and the confidence uh, well, you realize, you know, that you have in yourself. The yep. thing is, they're not going to start listening to you or giving you a chance if you don't help them get over the exotic bird thing. Because yeah. also sometimes I, I realize that, you know, I would kind of tone it down and give a very simplified version because... I could feel that the, I was making the person feel insecure. If this person in front of me is insecure because, oh, they feel bad that they haven't traveled a lot and here they are in front of a well-traveled person and they, you can feel their insecurities. I don't want to be yeah. the, the conduit for some, you know, it's like I don't want my, my background, my story to make someone feel bad about themselves yeah. and feel lesser. And so, you know, where I would really tone it down you know, yeah. so that they wouldn't feel uncomfortable around me. Um, and so now, um, obviously, we're in these incredibly challenging times and there's a lot been ah. happening over these last few months. So um, which, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, also thinking about our conversation and some of what you've he- said there and linking it with, of course, the, the Black Lives Matter or even thinking about the fashion mm-hmm. industry and the industry that you're in and thinking about how in the creative sector and industries we need to be more inclusive. Um, there's been a couple of big sort of organisations, obviously, that have also spoken out yes. um, about the, I guess, the responsibility and accountability that they also hold in positions of power. Um and how they need to change. Um, and I'm, I guess, being from a design background, I'm sort of thinking of some of the organisations like IDEO. Mm-hmm. They made a big announcement saying, you know, we're also responsible for this. and uh, We need to be more inclusive at every level. What have you come across in the fashion industry beyond just the, okay, let's post the black square, yeah. let's say we support as the token gesture. What, what more have you seen or are there organisations that you've seen in the industry that have always been open or is this just 
you know, this is an ongoing battle um, that we face and just so much more needs to be done. Just put yeah. that out there, what your experience and observations have been over these uh, months. I'd say it's an ongoing battle. Um, there is progress in the sense that um, it's, you know, it's uh, when it happens, it, people are being called out on it. You know, there's social media. Um, you have, you know, when uh, when the Black Lives Matter, <clears throat> for example, you know, you had certain uh, brands or even uh, like, for example, this this one um, uh, Instagram account, Man Rep, you know, Man Repeller, um, yep. you know, Leander McCone, you know, she was the top sort of influencer, has this big business going. She even said she was going to step away from Instagram and give it over to her staff and realize that, you know, she was talking to, you know, basically white upper middle class women and here, you know, and realize that, yeah, there wasn't a lot of inclusivity in, in her content or in her team and diversity. Um, you know, so you have people doing, you know, trying to do their best, you know, and, you know, sure, some people will be like, oh, too little, too late. But, you know, at some point, we have to allow people to at least attempt to atone. Because yeah. if not, then, you know, then we're just, you know, just being the judgy court, you know. And I guess from there, we'll also see who are the sort of authentic exactly. ones that actually mean it. Yeah. And who continue that, exactly. that conversation. Because... Yeah. My fear, I guess, and I guess some of the the sort of, um, I guess, inspiration for this um, or even starting this sort of series of conversations about it is that we need to keep this conversation going. Absolutely. This wasn't like, OK, that was just the Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter phase, you know, due to the, you know, unfortunate and absolutely shocking death of George Floyd, that this isn't just because of that. I mean, this has been going on for years I mean, I'm sort of thinking back even to Rodney King times, oh my and, you know, God, even yeah. way before yeah, that. Yeah. My goodness, it's been, you know, and even then, way before that, obviously, as we know. Um, but I mean, how how do you think we can keep these conversations going? And how do you see, you know, the industry in terms of yeah, those ones that are authentic, and you see, okay, they're really going to keep trying. And and as you said, we have to keep give that opportunity yeah, without but, a doubt. But I'd say, you know, you better impress us in your yeah. attempts, and they better be, and not just genuine is is profound in the sense of you know, I mean, it's like a brand saying, oh, you know, uh, we're gonna be more inclusive and what they mean is they're going to hire you know okay they might do a couple of ad campaigns with a black model it's like no i want to see who's you know who's in corporate you know Mm -hmm. who's at the decision making table absolutely and i think that's the bigger battle isn't it it's at that systemic level of yeah you know the teams are the decision yeah yeah the decision makers because you know if it's still the you know predominantly white board with perhaps one white female on it that is making the decisions uh you know for who's the ceo who's the you know it's not going to happen you know fast enough and it needs to to happen you know because it's just because if not also i mean certainly fashion is they're just going to keep making those stupid blundering you know things they do 
which is, you know, either bringing out products that are completely racist and, and, and genuinely not having a clue. And you go, well, maybe if you had had a couple of people of color around the table, (laughs) someone could have told you that that, you know, like with the, 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 the little Prada necklace, you know, I mean, yeah. Like, can you go into that a little bit more, um, Alex? When you say that about the racist products, like what what have you seen well, out there? Well, you had for those who you know, know. Recently, you had. Um, uh, I think it was about two years ago. Prada came out with this uh, line of uh, you know little necklaces that had little figurines, and on it they had what they described as a black monkey with big red lips on it. Wow. Now, to them, they were like, oh, it's a monkey. Now, mm-hmm. first of all, I don't know, like, where have you been that you don't know that this is like a, you know, long-standing caricature, racist caricature of Black people from, you know, in the 20s and 30s. Um, yeah. But, okay, even so, it's like, isn't this a good sign that the people around the table who were looking at this and deciding it clearly must have been all white. So, you know, you you need to have that diversity. It's not just having black models on the runway. Now, I know that since then um, they have tried to, you know, they have said they were going to diversify their design staff, their, you know, because those are the things that, that this would not happen because yeah. if you had a diverse group yeah, around because you've had at least one person go um no <laughs> that we're, we're not yeah. going to do that you know and we could have been in and okay fine if everyone was innocent about this and didn't know this you know the heritage and this you know the meaning behind that well they could have explained it to them even though frankly you know at, at some point i think also well that's a whole different subject but is you know it's not on people of color and black people to educate white people yeah. but <laughs> and is this um i mean are these products that were new products that were coming out i mean because i know like for example in the on the food side there were certain brands mm-hmm. that were having to completely redesign or take certain products off the shelf because there was this link um you know i think in the us or was it not aunt jemima's mm-hmm. there was mm-hmm. something related to yeah. that and i even think about uncle ben Absolutely. Drake, believe it or oh not. yeah I'm, uncle, you know Absolutely. which is actually still in the store believe it or not but it, it, um, yeah and i think it's it's for some people you know they're like oh my goodness you know whenever people go it's political correctness gone mad and it's like no it's 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 getting rid you know it's everyone was sold this story, you know, the, you know, the gentlemanly black, you know, man, you know, it goes back to the whole, you know, sort of tradition in, in certainly in, in the U.S. culture of, you know, the idea of the happy slave, like you see in Gone with the Wind. Yes. And the thing is, and it's not political correctness gone mad, it's just getting rid of, you know, the, this BS that people were fed so that they could feel okay with the society they were living in yeah and and so with saying that do you think like every every sector really and especially also as we're speaking about the sort of creative industries like across the board we've got to be really redesigning Mm -hmm. the complete way that we work 
um, not just also with the, the challenges that we're facing now, but also at these levels, that this is a real opportunity for this kind of great shift. Oh, absolutely. In, in sort of human consciousness of, you know, really being aware um, at every level. No, and, I, yeah, and... absolutely. Is, you know, I mean, it, when, you know, the term is systemic, it's systemic racism. So it is very deep. And, you know, like, you know, even talking about, you know, going back to the, 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 the Petra Kucha, of, you know, on heritage is, you know, how deep it goes is we don't even realize in our design choices, in the way we're going to show a woman in an ad as opposed to how we would show a white man or a black man or a black woman or, you know, and how just even yeah. in the TV series, I remember this was last year, reading this fascinating yet terrifying report. They had um, uh, exposed or had this, uh, you know, artificial intelligence watch. I don't know. It was about a week's worth of television and then asked it questions to describe what is a black man. It was terrifying. You know, it, it was, is aggressive, is scary, is, you know, it was all, um, what are women? And this was just purely, you know, an analysis of what this clean slate of a robot had seen. And, yeah. and from that and the, had deduced, this is what a black man is. This is what a woman is. This is what a white woman is. This is what a black woman, is, you know, and just from what it has gotten from the media. And, and that reminds me a lot of the kind of unconscious biases mm-hmm. that we have. I mean, when you talk about AI there, this also makes me think of some of the sort of conversations I've heard around um, automated cars, where originally when automated cars were launched, they weren't recognizing black people yes because there was the decision makers around had not thought of that oh yeah so they weren't stopping so it's these unconscious biases that that we that society holds oh no that's what it reminds me of with what you're saying about the the program yeah and of there, course you know, whoever because, they're te- it's yeah. like the um you know the automatic uh faucets yeah the the light that reads you it doesn't read black skin well Wow. You know, yeah. and that's a very similar thing. It's a yeah. similar thing to that. And once again, is if in the team putting it together and testing, it was probably only tested on white skin. And it didn't even draw, dawn on people. We're testing on white yeah. skin. It's just we're testing on a person because it's the default setting. Yeah, absolutely. And so it affects the way we design, you know, in the technical sense and how we design in a creative sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's very much what, I mean, we've even spoken about experiences at different levels, even with the industry itself, or I mean, I, I kind of, as I said, you know, sort of relate it a lot to the design industry. And I think there's, you know, a sort of reawakening there that there needs to be so much um, progress still made. Mm. Um, you know, we're sitting here in Belgium, of course, and in Brussels. And, you know, I mean, just... <clears throat> Because we have, of course, our institutions and it's a very multicultural city, um, you know, here in Brussels, you know, this, all of this still exists. You know, we still have so much of that systemic sort of, you know, racism or the unconscious mm-hmm. biases. Yes. It's the unconscious biases even around us. Um, and so, 
yeah, how do you see, what, what do you think the sort of solutions are in terms of, you know, bringing this up within, for example, if you were working on a project and you've seen, okay, this isn't a diverse group of people working on this, would you call it out or would you, how would you, how would you deal with it in the situations or some of the projects that you come across? Um, I guess, you know, since usually when I'm, I mean, certainly in the past, you know, since I started my own business, you know, obviously when I'm in the room, my client is there. Um, so to be honest, I'm not going to call it out the way I would perhaps if it was a friend, (laughs) but the way I would, um, that I've found to do it is, you know, we'll be talking about something and I might bring up the fact that, um, you know, all our points of views are really interesting, but, you know, um, how can we, maybe can we like, you know, and, you know, and, you know, if I really want to be like passive aggressive, (laughs) might say, perhaps, (laughs) you know, you have some people on your team of different cultures or different races that could like sit in for an hour or two. Because it's my passive aggressive way of going, I'm assuming you have people of color on your team. And if they don't, they're going to have to, you know, uh, you know, tell me, oh, well, we don't. And we have to find, you know, and maybe find someone to bring into a meeting or, you know, but at least it's bringing it up to them is you don't have anyone. You know, they're, all I'm sitting around at the table is, you know, uh you know, white women or, you know, white people, we're all white people here. I mean, I've had that, you know, in, uh, in conversations, you know, certainly, uh, when I, when I was working in, in Lille, uh, heading up the, uh, incubator there, um, because it was publicly funded, you know, I had a lot of meetings with, you know, uh, city officials and technical, you know, bureaucrats from, you know, the different institutions. And so many times I would be the only woman, and we'd be yeah. talking about some, you know, program that was going to benefit women. And, uh, I, you know, I very often, because I would be the only woman in the meeting aside from the person serving coffee. And, you know, and I've been at meetings where I go, well, I don't know if uh, myself and Sophie here can, you know, speak for all women. But since we're the only women in the room, I guess we'll give you our opinion. Yeah. You know, because you, you got to call it out. I mean, I do believe that you got to call it out, even if, you know, for one reason or another, it has to be done in a diplomatic, albeit slightly passive aggressive way. It has to be called out yeah. because if not, and, and certainly, you know, um, and the, the, the thing is, you know, as a white person, it's, let's be honest, there are things I can call out to in, you know, a, you know, there are things, if a white person is going to behave or show their true colors, they're going to do it more in an environment where there's only white people. And, yeah. you, you know, you've got to call it out because this could very well be a person who would never behave that way in front of, you know, a mixed crowd. Yeah. Well, it's good to know, certainly in the professional sense, that's how you would deal with it. Do you think we need more education in the sense of, if I'm thinking of students and young people going into, for example, the creative industries or the fashion industry Mm -hmm. that you're involved in, 
Do you think we need to be also tackling it at that level as well, that it's really about educating, more education and awareness, um, rather than it being taken as a kind of, you know, taken for granted that, oh, you know, it's we don't need to educate for this because, hey, everybody knows about it. Yeah. I mean, do you think we need to be more yes. conscious yes. and be really calling it out in this way that, hey, how can we, you know, deal with this in a diplomatic way and actually teach it? Because yeah. what you mentioned there, I think, also comes with experience. I mean, the way that you described that situation of how you would handle it, you know, I mean, that comes with experience, mm. with confidence, you being completely aware of that. Whereas, you know, not everyone would know how to handle that. And so how can we teach? I think, this? yeah, no, I think it, it can be taught because also the, the thing is, I mean, when I say calling out, and that's what I mean, like saying in a diplomatic manner, is you want to do it in a way that will be more of a teaching moment than a shaming moment. You know, it's yeah. like people... Absolutely. People are okay with being taught. They don't want to be judged, you know, yeah. or, humiliated, or humiliated, you know. And, and the thing yeah. is, because of the, the white point of view or the, the white, you know, whatever is the default setting for a lot of yeah. certainly white people, they are completely unaware of yeah. how deep it goes. And not because they're bad yeah. people. It's just that when you live amongst, when you are the default setting, there, there's just, it, do, it doesn't come up. You don't realize it. You know, you don't realize that, you know, and especially, you know, if, in places that back, you know, the historically have been predominantly white, you know, like Europe, they, you know, it, it, yeah. for them, it's normal that a room be completely white. And to yeah. go, yes, but, have you walked around your cities? <laughs> this isn't, you know, yeah. how it is. Do you think your mixed heritage, in a way, contributes to that? And that's why you have been so aware? Um, yes, probably. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, um, I myself am, you know, I guess genetically, you know, uh, white, but I have family who, you know, married different, you know, so I have aunties and uncles and cousins who look nothing like me, but they're blood, yeah. you know? And so you yeah. also, you know, and so even you see, you know, how the world reacts differently to, you know, if you've had close relationships with, you know, people of different, you know, different races, certainly, um, then you will have witnessed uh, things that happens to them that would never happen to you. Yeah. But of course, if you only grow up in a white society, you know, white environment, yeah. you will not have witnessed this, you know, but it's, it's the same. Yeah. It's like, you know, when the Me Too movement, I had Absolutely. so many decent male friends come to me and say, I had no idea. Because why would they? Wow. These guys wouldn't yeah. do things like that in front of them, you know? And it's like, yep. and, and where they were just like, oh my God. And that's why I think this, this you know, um, I think in the States, for example, with, you know, the, the, it, George Floyd was just so horrific. And, yeah. Absolutely. you know, that it really kind of jolted even, you know, 
white people who were just kind of going about their day and just went, whoa. And then, of course, once they started learning more. And, you know, I've, I've had, you know, white friends who, who, you know, that I know from boarding school, you know, that, that, you know, have a very white environment. So they, you know, they've never seen this up front, you know, firsthand. But who once they learned about, they're like, oh, my God. But they had no idea because, of course, if your only interaction, for example, you know, as a white person with black, with a, you know, what a black existence is, is a TV show or a book, it's not the same, yeah. you know, and especially what they show no, on TV, absolutely. you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and I think, you know, that sort of, I mean, although we're chatting or this inspiration was about chatting about the sort of creative industries it's what we're seeing and what we're talking about is it's affecting yes. everyone in every sector mm-hmm. you know um but do you think as creatives in some way we have um in a way this sort of solution orientated role that we could play in in a way, being this or mediators in, in these kind of conversations or saying, OK, how can we, you know, redesign mm-hmm. our education system in the creative industries to be more, you know, you know, to have less of the unconscious bias in, um, you know, when it comes to designing products or designing fashion or to be aware of cultural appropriation mm-hmm. and all the different oh, gosh, things. Yeah. Um, do you think we as creators have that kind of responsibility of, as well as, you know, looking in the mirror and looking at our own industries, but to really be those kind of problem solvers? Um, I th- yeah, for such I, things? I think so. Ab- absolutely. Because, um, yeah. you know, uh, first of all, creatives are, you know, it's all about looking at what is and either making it better or thinking of what could be, you know, I mean, you know, that's creativity. Absolutely. So when you're looking at a system that is so entrenched, you need, it's the creatives, be it, you know, looking at the fashion industry or education or, you know, is you have to have a creative approach to it, you know, an informed, educated, creative approach to it. Um, Absolutely. Because these things are, are very entrenched and also creatives, you know, because it's all about creating something new or something better, um, there is this uh, less of a fear of change. And yeah. because, of course, you know, even people who know that they're doing it the wrong way, they're more afraid of j- the change that is going to be demanded, um, which, you know, could be, I hate to say it because there's been so many deaths and so many, but, you know, if there's any silver lining to this, you know, pandemic, is that it has forced us to look at things, you know, most of the problems we're facing now, these were pre-existing. COVID Absolutely. just precipitated it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it kind of magnified yeah. it and accelerated it in some yes, ways, Yes, exactly, it? yes. I mean, and even if we think of some of the industries like the digital transformation or people working from home, all these kind of things, I mean they were on the agenda to be doing yeah. more of and to be bridging that digital gap, but everyone's been kind of thrown into it and be forced to do yeah, it. Yeah. And like you say, and also, you know, it, it's shown the, the, 
also the, the big gaps that there are because, you know, talking about the, the digital gap is realizing that, no, not every child has a laptop at home. Absolutely. This mm-hmm. kind of whole magnifying the, the sort of inequalities exactly. at every level, actually, um, in, in the social fabric of cities, um, at, at all different ways and the sort of social injustice. Um, yeah, absolutely. And also, um, yeah, how we design our places and spaces. Yes. Um, you know, from we've also spoken about this before of when we shared during, you know, the sort of COVID period earlier on about the lockdown and saying how grateful we are to have outdoor yes. spaces, for example, compared to those that don't or having friends in, um, you know, Spain or Madrid or wherever where it was just balconies. Yeah. They didn't even I mean, they didn't even have balconies. It was like a railing out the window where they couldn't even go out to the outdoor space, you know. Um, so in that level, yeah, it's absolutely magnified all these inequalities. I totally agree. Um, Alex, what would you say, seeing as we're sort of coming towards the, the end of our fantastic chat there, um, what advice would you give to someone going into your industry, a student going in? What, what from your experience, would you give um, as you know, if you were to kind of put it down to a couple of sentences um, of what have been those intrinsic learnings from some of the things that we've spoken about, looking at the kind of inclusive factor and those biases. And, you know, I'm sure you've got lots of advice you would give, but just looking from that yeah, angle, what I, would you say? I would say? say that, you know, to, to, to really go in as, you know, with kind of a, a, with a greater cause than just yourself and to go, you know, that you're, you're going to go in to better the industry, you know, if yeah. you are, you know, yeah, you know, to, to really that you're going to come at it with, you know, not, not doing it the old ways, come at it with either new ideas that are out there or come with new ideas because the, the, there is a necessity for like a giant paradigm shift and, Um, you know, as well intentioned as some of the, the people more my age or so, you know, in, in power positions of power, I I don't know how much they can change. You know, they've got boards to, you know, answer to, they've got shareholders, they've got, you know, is for the the people coming in the newer generation. It's like, just, you know, rewrite the book, rewrite it. Yeah you know, and be it in the way you decide your business model in, you know, um, should you be a, you know, a white person and, you know, how, how, what types of teams are you going to surround yourself with, you yeah. know, um, what are you going to gravitate towards, you know, what the, what a company looks like. And, you know, and certainly, I mean, for the people in positions of power, it's like sort of, you know, please, please, you know, dare, dare you know what the one who dares wins and i really think that right now for the certainly people you know more in sort of our age range you know people in in positions of you know decision making power decision makers is the one who dares wins and the the changes are going to have to be big and it's true for some of the for some of the big you know the big companies out there it's it's something they're struggling with but i think they they need to believe in it (laughs) Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, that makes me suddenly think of the Nike new ad mm-hmm. that just came out. Actually, I don't know. The if editing's amazing, but it is fantastic, isn't it? Absolutely, I've seen it sort of being shared all over uh, social media. It's uh, very well done. But um, Alex, I want to thank you thank so you. much for this conversation and for your yeah your your wise words of advice there to anyone coming into the industry. And also this conversation, um, it's been really insightful. And I think we just need to have more of these conversations, oh, yeah. um, you know, where we design the narratives and conversations and we act upon the things that really we need to change. And as you said, it's a huge paradigm shift um, that needs to be done. And I really hope that this great pause mm-hmm. as such um, creates that you know, a sort of long-lasting impact to some yeah, level. Yeah, and, and that it's, good, so, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's it a is. good thing. I mean, you know, this is a chance to rewrite it and to do it right and to make it inclusive. And, you know, it's just going to be, you know, I, I am a mm-hmm. absolute optimist and it's, it's, it's just so much better. People are so afraid, you know, of, of yeah. change and afraid of, what's it going to mean to them? And of course, you know, for, for those in, in the default setting, you know, it's like, Ooh, you know, yeah. will I lose something? Do I have to give something I've always had, but it's okay. It's going to be actually yeah. end up better. Even, you know, if you want to, you know, sort of in a simplistic manner, it's, it's going to be better for white people too, you know, yeah. but you Absolutely. Know, it's, it's, it's not because you got to like give some of your toys or share some of your opportunities that you're going to be, you know, lose out. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. Okay, well, um, on that note, um, I'll let you go. Well, and, thank you um, so much. Said, thanks so very great. much. This is great. You're very thank welcome. You. Thank, thank you very much, Alex. And um, we'll also, um, of course, share details and maybe post some of your social media links or your, your website links if, in case anyone wants to get in oh, touch yes. with you. I'm launching um, a new website okay. in about two weeks, so... Oh, super. Okay, well, we can uh, definitely share that. Okay, Alex, Thank thanks you so a lot much, for Rosina. that. And, this is great. Uh, okay, excellent. Thanks a lot, Alex. Bye-bye Bye. now. Well, thank you for joining us on our first edition and session of Designing Conversations on the inclusion of the creative and cultural industries. And we're happy to share that since we recorded that session with Alex, that there has been much movement with regards to the fashion industry, certainly in the UK, with the fashion bible of Vogue magazine um, and the editor-in-chief of British Vogue, who was the first black person actually to be really taking the helm of the magazine, has for September released an issue which he regards as the most important certainly of this year um, with focusing on the kind of activism and movement of the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that we've been seeing going on that he has in fact taken an all black team to work on this September issue and for his younger members it was incredibly magical as they felt empowered as he said that the world was changing so on that note we leave you and we 
hope you join us for the next session of Designing Conversations. <laughs>